Gary Ginn, the new Locked On NFL. Alongside me is the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock, also the host of Locked On 49ers, taking you around the league here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the number one daily sports podcast network. Love seeing the growth, Matt. People are enjoying the show. You can find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. You can find me at BD Peacock. We love to see all the new subscriptions happening here on Locked On NFL. If you want to give us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app, that would also help. Matt, how you doing, man? It's been a fun week. Yeah, it's been a great week, and you're right. I mean, even over the course of the week, the the response has been really strong. The new format, having you on, has been awesome. Um, Sando joined us as usual. We'll line up guests as we always have. Uh, it's a lot more concise, and we're getting a lot more subscribers. So welcome to all you new folks. That's great. Yeah, shout out to all the new subscribers, and we'll see if we jump back into the iTunes Top 20 as we did when we had the NFL Draft Special. We've got some magic here, you and I. I don't know what it is, but the people, are, the people <laughs> right. have spoken. You're 100% right, man. We're rolling. Uh, this is a Fantasy Friday show today. We are going to continue uh, talking a little bit of fantasy football on our Friday episodes after we get to the news around the league in segment number one. And also, a reminder, if you want to hear fantasy talk every day, Vinny Iyer doing it on Locked On Fantasy Football every day. So you got to subscribe to that one as well. Let's take a look around the league. I think the big signing of the day was center Ryan Khalil, veteran center, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. He's agreed to a one-year contract, a pricey one-year deal, $8.4 million with the New York Jets. I like it for the Jets. I do too. I mean, I think it's difficult to project what Khalil has, you know, what kind of shape is he in? You know, he retired. Was he sitting on the couch eating burgers and pizza or was he working out? Is it going to take time to get back to where he was? But at his best, and I don't expect him to be at his best, to, you know, For but he is a high-quality guy. Uh, Carolina moved on from both the Khalil brothers, upgraded at center with Paradis, who I think is a slightly better player at this point in their career. But I was really critical of the Jets this year for all the money they spent, the high draft pick they had, didn't do enough on the offensive line. And I think this is a good risk, and it's a, a pretty big buck, but they have it. And most importantly is we need to make Sam Darnold as comfortable as possible, whatever that takes. And adding a veteran center is a great step in the right direction for an August 1st signing, that's for sure. And I also think Khalil will be a highly positive influence in the locker room to the other linemen, those type of things too. Yeah, and when it comes to the running game, I think it's always weird when teams do it backwards, in my opinion, when they pay a running back a lot and they don't address the offensive line. So I think that's smart. Yeah. But I think you really nailed it. The last thing you said there, the veteran presence, the locker room presence, the the player and the worker that Ryan Khalil is, I think that will help as much as anything. They've got you know a new regime in town in New York, and they probably want to set the tone there. And it's funny because when someone is retired, Ryan Khalil, 34 years old, has, has had a, a great career. And he's like, yeah, I'm retired. Sorry. And they're like, well, uh, 8.4 for one year. And he's like, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not retired anymore. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. To work. Yeah, let's give it a shot for one more year. All right. Uh, speaking of offensive line, we actually talked earlier in the week about Trent Williams and how he made some sense to some maybe other teams around the league. He's a holdout right now. The reports are that he's okay to let fines pile up throughout the regular season if uh, if he doesn't get what he wants and maybe even get that trade that he wants. And I still think that uh, there's some teams that could really use Trent Williams, but so can Washington. Washington could really use him. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you get a young quarterback in Haskins who 
I like a lot as a prospect, but he's one of these guys. You better protect him. I mean, he's a heavy-footed guy. He's learning. He doesn't have a lot of experience at the college level as a starter, but was highly successful in a big program. So I do like that draft pick, but know who you have here as your future. One of the best left tackles in the league leaving town would be a big problem. Uh, You and I mentioned, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, that the Browns and the Texans would make a lot of sense. And then I think you threw out the Patriots. You're hearing Patriots rumblings. Sounds like a move they would make. Um, I think he'd be highly sought after, assuming he's healthy. Uh, One more bit of news here before we jump into some of the fantasy football stuff. We're going to talk quarterbacks here on today's show and as well some overall fantasy strategy, how you and I like to do it. But one another holdout here, staying on the holdout subject, Yannick Ngakwe, he's on the other side of the holdout fence. He is expected to return and report to the Jacksonville Jaguars maybe by next week, August 6th is the date that has been reported that Yannick Ngakwe is going to come back to Jaguars camp. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. I mean, Ngakwe was, what, a third-round pick, and Trent Williams is a first-round pick who has signed several big contracts. He's got a lot bigger bank account than Yannick. You know, I mean, to to pay these fines day after day is probably adding up for Ndokwe quickly. We also know that when they do make deals, some of those fines tend to just disappear and you wash them under the table and nobody ends up paying them anyway. But it also indicates to me maybe Jacksonville and him are talking again. Uh, Maybe his agent comes to town with them. But what's interesting to me with the Jags is – they were so bad for so long, you know, where they were picking top five, top six, week year after year. And then they had a, a two or three huge off seasons where they were just signing guys left and right, high draft picks, had that real good year, fell back to earth last year. But all of a sudden, they're just cash strapped. I mean, they're talking about like, like Calais Campbell getting cut after the year. Uh, Darius absolutely has to. So, like, you would think that the way they're built, you would have more spending room and ability to lock up your own, but because they kind of max out their credit cards already, they didn't. It's actually, staying on the Jaguars here, another note, there's an injury in camp. Third-round rookie linebacker Quincy Williams has a slight tear in his meniscus. He's going to be out for probably a month, maybe even missing week one in danger of starting the season on the injured list, so that's a rough beginning to the career of Quincy Williams, who Doug Marone, coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, said he was the fastest player on the team. Interesting. It's the first I heard that, to be honest with you. And I and this is a prospect that I didn't know much about, except for he's Quinton Williams' brother. And then they took him in the third round, and a lot of us were like, wow, could you have got him in the sixth round? Yeah. Like, who is this dude? And, you know, after doing more research after he was drafted, he is very fast. He's very much a run-and-hit linebacker, absolutely in that Telvin Smith, Miles Jack mold. And strangely enough, Telvin Smith is sitting the season out for personal reasons. Who knows if he'll return? So I would have thought Williams would be set up to play quite a bit as a rookie, and at least on special teams. So this is a blow to them, I would think. Yeah, open some eyes out of Murray State, not a player that uh, I had – watched it all before the draft and it's funny because when your claim to fame is that you're related to somebody that's usually not a great sign but you know right. undersized and that's the way the league is going right now at linebacker 5'11 225 pounds and a whole bunch of athleticism teams are spreading it out more they're throwing the ball more and teams are are falling all over themselves to find these undersized super athletic linebackers that can cover 
Yeah, it's just the way the league is going at this point. If you can't take on a big power fullback in the hole or a pulling guard coming at you, so be it in the run game. But you got to be able to cover the middle of the field. You got to be able to run. Um, there's just so many easy throws against heavier footed linebackers. You can't have it anymore. So, and like I kind of mentioned, these guys, if they aren't instant successes or first round picks, they're ideal for special teams. All right, Matt, let's talk a little fantasy football strategy and talk quarterbacks right after the break. Support of Locked On NFL comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, Matt, this is the first Fantasy Friday here on Locked On NFL, and so I think we got to start at the beginning and talk a little strategy, uh, talk about how we like to do things, how we like to put together a fantasy football team, and there's no one way to do it, and there's no one uh, set of rules for most fantasy leagues, and there's a lot of different stuff going on. I tend to think that the most common standard fantasy league is a PPR league, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and then you got the flex as well. Is that, is that how we should probably progress here and talk about sort of a scoring format that's that's close to that for the most part? Yeah, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I just wanted to let everyone know this Fantasy Friday idea was one of yours, and I like it quite a bit, and I think we should do one pretty much every week right up until the start of the season because a lot of you guys are picking, you're starting to do your fantasy homework, It'll overlap with true NFL topics, of course. So I, I think this is a phenomenal idea. Please give us some feedback on that. But, yeah, I think we should discuss this like, yeah, a standard league, exactly how you, you spelled it out. Um, however, and this is very quarterback-related, I think the best format, and I'm only in one of these and it's a dynasty league, is Superflex. I mean, we, we will talk about the quarterback position here in the, you know, at the end of the show, but there's so many of them now, they're just so saturated. I like the idea of you have to start one quarterback, you can start two, and that drives the value of these guys up a lot more, so you can't just be a total late-round guy. But for the, the purpose of our fantasy talk, unless we get a question or something out of the ordinary, yeah, just like you spelled it out, 12-team, standard, PPR, uh, starting the dudes you mentioned. Yeah, and I've done some super flex leagues, and I do really like that format. And when you play fantasy football, you know, you would think that the quarterback position needs to get propped up a little bit. And I think that's what yeah. super flex does, but not quite to the extent of, say, a two quarterback league where it gets a little bit weird. And then it starts to get very thin at quarterback because if everybody has to start two and you have a 12 team leagues, you start running out of quarterbacks really quick. So I do like super flex and uh, those leagues are a lot of fun. So let's let's get into it. The draft is important. But it's not, you can't win your league in most leagues with just the draft because you need a lot of luck. You need to hit that waiver wire hard throughout the season. And we might not do full Fantasy Friday episodes in the regular season, but we will probably uh, take a look at the waiver wire and have some opinions and some uh, some strategy there and have some players mm -hmm. that we think would be beneficial to your fantasy football roster because this whole thing does tie in, as you mentioned. But Matt, when you're starting a draft, what is the overriding thing you are trying to accomplish on draft day? 
Couple things. I mean, my, I'm in one redraft league. I do a lot of dynasty. I'm in one redraft league. It's with all my buddies from high school. It's a blast. We go away Labor Day weekend for debauchery and drafting. Um, and in that league, and I like this, that we pull cards, and if you pull the ace, you get to pick your slot from 1 to 12. Most leagues, they just kind of slot you wherever. As a rule of thumb, I prefer to draft in the middle, and my reasoning is when you get to the fourth through last round, sometimes you're torn. I mean, every time you pick, you're usually torn between two or three dudes. If you pick on the end, there's pretty much no chance that that's, that uh, runner-up is going to come back to you. But I, in, in the later rounds, I get two of my favorites a lot more often when I'm in the middle. But more importantly is I think you really have to figure out the strengths and weaknesses of the draft, too. Like, there's clearly tiers. And if you can be within a tier and say, I know I'm going to get – like, this year's an obvious one. There's four running backs that stand alone that in every draft, in some order, McCaffrey – Barkley, Kamara, and Elliott are going to go in whatever order people like. So if you're at four, you pretty much know what you have, and you start thinking about round two, but well before your draft. Like, have an idea well before your draft what you're going to do. I think going to some of these mock draft sites are really valuable before you draft because you'll be shocked. Boy, tight ends dried up quicker than I thought. Or, man, I should have waited two more rounds on quarterback or whatever it is. But do some practice like it everything. But the reality, I mean, for me, I'm very running back heavy lately. I think there's, you know, I've mentioned those top four, but I think there's 20 or so bell cow runners. And if I can get two of them or even three for my flex spot, I've just found that I'm really, really hard to beat. And and I mentioned that league, and I'm not going to talk too much about my teams, but I ended up last year – I picked sixth, and I knew last year I would end up with either Elliott or Kamara at six. I ended up with Kamara. My goal was coming around the second round in the middle of the second round was I hope Gronk falls. Gronk went the pick before me, luckily, and I took McCaffrey. (laughs) You know, that worked out pretty well. And then coming back again, I took Joe Mixon. And remember, these guys' values were different then. So every week I'm starting Kamara, McCaffrey, and Mixon, all of whom might be first-round picks this year. This year, I kind of want to do the same with a carry on Johnson who we've talked about or Aaron Jones or Derek Henry, you know, in these second, third rounds. And then, oh, by the way, I got Zach Ertz in the fourth and I was really hard to beat. So I, I just think that if you can, I think you can make up at other spots, but if you have stud running backs and the and fantasy's changed so much. When I came in, it was all about running backs and then it switched. But right now, if you get one of those or two or three of those 20, you have a really high floor week to week. And draft position has a lot to do with that, too, because if you're at the end of round one in a snake draft, you might not have that opportunity to draft one of those stud running backs, and you're in another tier already. And so then maybe it makes sense to draft, start with wide receiver, go wide receiver, wide receiver, and make that the strength of your team. And then, you know, or even one of the three stud tight ends this year, I think there's that absolute obvious stud three tight end and then a massive drop where you just wait if you don't get one of those three guys. So maybe you'd. Maybe you hit that in, in the second round at a tight end position, which is usually not something I would recommend or something that I would do. But this year, I think it makes more sense. But there's so many good wide receivers, and wide receiver is so deep that if you can grab that stud running back or even get a couple of running backs early, it makes a ton of sense because you'll be sitting there in the middle of the draft, late in the draft, thinking, man, there's still very good starting caliber wide receivers that could go big that are still available in this draft, and there is scraps at running back. 
Right. I mean, it's a passing league. We'll talk about quarterbacks. There's tons of those. I mean, there's there's receivers you can get in the 30th receiver overall range that are going to score points every week. They might not light it up. They're not going to be new Hopkins, obviously, but they are going to get you points. And I just think that if you get those – meanwhile – you know, the 40th running back off the board isn't going to do you much good. You know, I mean, you're you're hoping he falls into the end zone or bust, you know. So um, there's so many more three-receiver sets in the NFL now that everyone's got two or three that are viable for fantasy. So it's just a big pool of, of receivers. So I don't tend to bite in the first couple rounds on wideouts. And when you are later in the draft and mid-rounds, the running backs you're drafting from that you're probably targeting if you're in a PPR league are essentially wide receivers anyway, because that's what you're looking for because there's a lot of committees going on, which makes those stud number one true bell cow backs that produce in the running game and in the passing game, like Barkley and McCaffrey and Kamara and Zeke Elliott. It makes them all the more valuable because uh, those guys are in there all the time and they're not getting vultured on touchdowns and they're not getting vultured on third downs for those passing game targets. And so, yeah, that's that's why those guys have even got propped up even more and, and it's kind of back to the old days where running backs are ruling at the very top of the draft, at least. Yeah, yeah you're 100 percent right. I mean, uh, it, those four absolutely deserve it. You know, a year ago, that was Gurley. That was Lev Bell before he held out. David Johnson's been that guy lately. I mean, the guys that never come off the field that have size and the ability to catch the ball are absolute gold. And we'll talk more specifically about which running backs, sleepers, and all those kind of things on another episode, probably next Fantasy Friday. But uh, today it's about quarterbacks. And uh, before we get to the individual quarterbacks and start talking about some of them, just overall, I'm a wait on quarterback guy. I think that's the only way to go about this thing is to wait on quarterbacks. Same for you? Uh, To take it, I'm obscene about it, to be honest with you. I mean... (laughs) I everyone thinks that yeah they wait on quarterbacks. Well, sit in a draft room with me. I mean, I sit there well after that. If I'm you know in a twelve team league, there's many rounds that go by after that eleventh guy has been drafted before I pull the trigger. And I'm just grabbing wide receiver, running back, another running back, another running back. And I mentioned that team I had last year. My quarterbacks on a, a team that I ran away with the league. I had Jameis Winston, who was suspended for the first four games. I had Fitzpatrick. And as the season went on, I picked up Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky. And that was plenty. I mean, that was more than plenty. And there were some bad games in there. But those guys are easy to be had. And I might take two or even a third one in my drafts really late and just kind of match them up week to week. But there's so many that, especially considering the running prowess they have, I really wait. I mean, people look at me like, come on, man. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny. All right. Well, let's get to some specifics and maybe some of those quarterbacks to target if you're going to be uh, an excessive waiter like Matt Williamson right after the break. All right. We're talking fantasy quarterbacks today on Locked On NFL. Pat Mahomes came out of nowhere last year to just have a ridiculous season throwing the football. I think right now he's easily the first quarterback going off the boards in ADP what do you expect from Pat Mahomes let's start there do you think he can match what he did last year and is there even potentially more in a third-year quarterback you would expect growth for a third-year quarterback could he get better I think he can and a lot of that's because Tyreek Hill's not getting suspended I think that's gigantic but oh by the way they added Nicole Hardman who's like him and maybe they'll figure out ways to throw all those guys at you Um, I don't think that they're 
the running game worries me a little bit. Like when we get to Damian Williams, I'm not going to be, he won't be end up on my team. So I think they'll throw a ton. He's an amazing football player and he made, he made more mistakes last year than people realize. And my hunch is those will get ironed out a little bit more, but he had the best fantasy season in the history of the world. You know what I mean? And so will he match that? Probably not. Of course, it, it might go down as his best statistical season ever, but even if he drops off by 10% or even 20%, he still is going to lead the league in fantasy points. Right. That's how absurd he was last year. And the arm talent to, like you said, have Tyreek still in the lineup for him and those plays that he makes and the way he throws the ball and gets the ball down the field, uh, just chunk plays and chunk points. I will say that he came on the scene like gangbusters and went crazy early on last year. Uh, he didn't really, I wouldn't say he faded because he was still ridiculous the second half of the season, but it wasn't as much of a shock. And I think defenses started to figure out a little bit how to sort of play against that Kansas City offense. And I think maybe they might be able to take a, you know, a play or two out of the playbook of Bill Belichick and how to slow him down a little bit. So that's the thing that if you're thinking, okay, why would Pat Mahomes not have the season he had last year? It's just because defensive coordinators are smart. And there's a ton of tape now. There's a season's worth of tape to look at Pat Mahomes, and he's going to have to uh, readjust to the adjustments that he sees this year. Yeah, I think that's really well said. But, I mean, I'm not Bill Belichick, that's for sure. But what doesn't he do well? Well, we can make him roll to his right. Well, (laughs) it's still going to kill you. I mean, he's so talented that he can overcome, you know, uh, schematic changes against him. And not to counter your point, but you know who else is pretty smart and has a lot of time to prepare? Andy Reid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. And uh, even if you force Pat Mahomes to throw with his back turned to the field, he can do that too. Right, or left-handed. or you know. <laughs> All right, so uh, after Pat Mahomes, he's your QB1, I assume? He is. Um, Evan Silva is one of my favorite people in this business, and I consider him a friend and analyst. And he has Deshaun Watson number one. And Watson, to me, is clearly the two – and I think it's pretty ballsy by Evan to put Watson one, but he could have a monster year. And I think he's pretty clearly number two. And especially when you factor in when Will Fuller's healthy, and who knows if he'll stay healthy, but Watson has immense numbers when Fuller's in the lineup. I love that Fuller's back for Watson. I, I They addressed the offensive line in the draft. I don't know how ready – Uh, That offensive line is going to be, it's going to be a little bit better than last year. Maybe if they were able to swing a trade for, say, Trent Williams, that would make me feel a lot better about Deshaun Watson staying upright and having that season that I think he could have. And I think he absolutely is in that tier of players behind Patrick Mahomes. But for me, I basically won't have Watson or probably Mahomes or anybody from this next tier on my rosters because they're probably going to go too high because as soon as a quarterback starts to go, people are going to say, okay, who's number two? And they're going to start drafting those guys. And I think it just might be a little bit rich for me, even though he could have that great season. He could be just good or really good, which I think I could get really good down around quarterback 9, 10, 11. Yes, 100% agree. Although I will say, and again, this goes against my philosophy, and I won't have any of these guys but if you told me someone besides Mahomes was the best fantasy quarterback this year, I would say it's Rodgers, Luck, Watson, or Wentz. And Wentz is the one that isn't going in that top tier. And I think people were afraid of injuries and all that. Well, the Eagles aren't. They just gave him a bazillion dollars, and they just you know 
splattered so many good players around him. And remember that fantasy asset Wentz was not that long ago when he was nearly the MVP of the league. So he's the only one at current ADP or whatever that I might just snag and go against my grain. And Wentz has that built in, and this is what you look for, and this is what I look for when I'm playing fantasy football and I'm there on draft day. I'm looking for that built-in discount, and I think Wentz has that because, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. he could be in that second tier, but you don't have to pay the second tier price when his ADP right now I think is you know seventh, eighth round or something like that. That's a nice value, and I think that might be where I'm starting to look at quarterbacks, and Wentz might be someone that's very high on my list at that point. Yeah, obviously I agree with you quite a bit. And he would be, there's all, I mean, I, I have a philosophy when I go into a draft, but that doesn't mean that someone won't fall enough that I think, boy, the value is mm-hmm. too great. And he seems like the likely one for that. Matt Ryan might also fit that mold. I'm really intrigued with Ryan playing 13 out of 16 games in a dome. You know, he kind of struggled on the road last year. I think that passing game with two new offensive linemen, Devontae Freeman back, Ridley ready to break out, could be amongst the best in the league. He doesn't run, so people kind of let him drop a little bit on draft day, but he's another value guy for me. It's interesting. I want to ask you about Baker Mayfield in year two, and he's going high, and there's a massive hype train for both the Browns and Baker Mayfield, and he's got weapons, and I totally get why, and he's definitely not somebody that's going to be on my fantasy team, even though he could be someone that rises you know, way up the charts and is someone you're talking about in that tier one, two conversation next year, but there's... I would pump the brakes just a little bit. And he's going right now almost tied with Matt Ryan as quarterback five or six in fantasy leagues. It feels a little hot for me, not only because I like to wait on quarterbacks, but because let's see it first. Yeah, and I love the player. I mean, he could be my – I build my team around Baker Mayfield any day of the week. I think he's going to be a raging success in Cleveland. But I think the fantasy community's kind of lost their mind on a little bit too. I mean, remember late in the year, it's going to be snowy and crappy. And trust me, I was, you know, in that stadium as part of the organization. Come playoff time and the winds are swirling and you want Baker to win your fantasy playoff game for you. Best of luck. Um, I think Chubb is still, I don't know if it'll be the foundation of the offense, but they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I love Mayfield, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't run that much despite being a good athlete. And he's only done it for half a season. And the, the defenses they faced last year really weren't that great. Uh, uh, kind of like your Mahomes point, too. The Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, and whomever are on the drawing board right now figuring out what Baker doesn't like to do. So we'll see. I mean, he's like that pitcher that goes through the league and mows everybody down, and then they realize, well, he doesn't have a curveball. I mean, I'm not saying he's a, a, not a success like that, but, but the second time around the league for those pitchers is key. And I think Mayfield will succeed, but not to the level of the fantasy points I need from him at the fifth quarterback taken or something like that. And a lot of personalities on that offense. And I could see things going really great or also start to go really poorly if if some L's start to pile up there. And I look at Drew Brees, who right now is going two rounds later than Baker Mayfield. And so I'm all over Brees at that value if I was going to take a quarterback in that area over Baker Mayfield. But, Matt, I want to get to some sleepers here. The guys we're talking about are all part of the top 12. They'll be starting for most people's fantasy football team. If you were to wait and you didn't get one of those top 12 quarterbacks in a 12-team league, who are your favorite sleepers or bench depth quarterbacks this year? Um, I like Winston a lot. I think he's built for fantasy success, especially with Arians, aggressive, 
yeah, he may throw some picks or yeah, he will throw some picks, but you can get him super late. And he was highly productive when he was on the field. He's highly productive all the time when he's on the field. But I would say my target for where they're going is Dak Prescott. And immediately you think of the running and sure, and he's going to score touchdowns and he's going to be a good runner and that's wonderful. But I also think look at what he did once Amari Cooper showed up. He really was highly successful, very fantasy relevant. You can get him really cheap. Um, And those running quarterbacks have high floors. Dak looks like he's going around the 10-11 round range. I like Garoppolo, not just because Mm -hmm. I do locked on 49ers, but I like him as a value play here in the 12th to 13th round. And Kyle Shanahan's offenses put up yards and they pile up yards. Can they put the ball in the end zone? The red zone offense is really what I'm going to be looking for for the 49ers this year. And if they are doing it and Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing touchdowns, then uh, he's going to be a screaming success and he'll be a fantasy value and be a starting capable player for your fantasy football team. If I'm looking for a deep sleeper, though, someone who could have probably, and we talked about this on yesterday's show with Mike Sando talking about quarterback tiers in the NFL. And if you didn't hear that episode, you got to go back and download the Locked On NFL with Mike Sando from Thursday's episode. But Sam Darnold, could he take that step? Not to a Mahomes level, but could he be someone who starts to uh, be talked about as uh, you know a top 12 fantasy quarterback in the NFL? Hmm. I love the player, and I think he—I think he's got a better chance to be higher on Sando's tiers than he does for fantasy reasons. If you know what I mean. Yep. I mean, I think that he can take a real step in terms of ball security. I think Gase will had him get the ball out. They—I like their weapons around him much more. It's so little around him. I'm a buyer on Sam Darnold as a football player, but is he going to put up? you know, 300 yards a game and scramble for 30 and four touchdowns here and there. I tend to think that might be two years from now. And if you're waiting on quarterbacks, another player I like, like let's say if you wanted to, and you need to hedge a little bit because this player might have some potential injury problems if he's running the ball as much as uh, it's being rumored that he might, but Lamar Jackson could really pile up some points for your fantasy football team. If you pair him late, I would have no problem rolling into a season with Jimmy Garoppolo and Lamar Jackson, and you don't have to take either one of those guys ahead of round 12. Right. I mean, that's the way I play fantasy is give me those two who are guaranteed starters. Maybe they have some questions about durability or accuracy on each, you know, respectively on each of those guys. But I mentioned it yesterday. I think Lamar's a better passer already than given credit for. Give him a whole offseason, designing things around him. You know he's going to run. Once again, high floor guy. Even if he only throws for 140 yards, he may run for 80, you know, and all of a sudden it's like he threw for 300. Right, and if you start to look at how many fantasy points per game he had because of that rushing totals, it was it was up there when he was a starter for those seven games. So he's someone that could get even better as a passer, still gash teams as a runner. Uh, that could be a crazy fantasy value in the 12th, 13th round. Right, I mean, again, that's why I sit there for 10, 11, 12 rounds just racking up depth at running back and wide receiver, and then I grab two of those back-to-back, and cool, I'm done. We're out of time here, Matt, but I do want to ask you one question strategy-wise. If you are waiting forever on quarterbacks, do you ever get somebody in your draft room, and it would probably be me, the guy who <laughs> notices you're doing that and says, okay, Williamson doesn't have any quarterbacks. I'm going to try to steal away his quarterback so he can't have any and maybe he has to talk trade with me. Do you ever get, <laughs> get in that scenario? Of course, and I'm the only one in the room that they follow on Twitter and listen to the podcast, and they so they know my approach, and I still have to overcome it. 
and they like to make my life as difficult as possible. <laughs> but I mean, they would all have to take, I mean, if 12 were gone, five to seven to eight teams would all have to take a second one for me to be screwed though. I mean, I could still get Lamar or Garoppolo. I mean, there's just so many. It's right. hard to block me in that, that way. It's a fun discussion, and we're going to continue talking fantasy football here on Fridays on the show. Next week, running backs, which should be a fun one. I've got a lot of good sleepers yeah. this year at the running back position. Uh, Matt, thank you so much. Great talking to you. Had so much fun here in week number one, and we're just going to keep this thing going all season long. Absolutely. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend, and uh, give me some more feedback on iTunes and Twitter to both of us, how you like the show. I think it's been going phenomenal. Absolutely, and we will talk to you Monday right here on Locked On NFL.